0: Good morning and welcome to Wednesday morning, October the 12th in 2022 on When I Rise. Today we are still in year C, proper week 24, which is the 19th Sunday after Pentecost. And on the Wednesday of the week, I'd like to pick up one of the extra passages, which comes to us in this week from the Revised Common Lectionary in this week of the church's calendar year. Sometimes it's a psalm, sometimes it's an Old Testament passage, how about we go back to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 31, verses 27 through 34. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making this part of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and be God together in a time of prayer. Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 27 334. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will plant the kingdoms of Israel and Judah with the offspring of people and of animals. Just as I watched over them to uproot and tear down and to overthrow, destroy, and bring disaster, so I will watch over them to build and to plant, declares the Lord. In those days, people will no longer say, the parents have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. It said everyone will die for their own sins. Whoever eats sour grapes, their own teeth will be set on edge. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law on their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will know me. From the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. This is the word of God for us. So just this morning I was listening to a podcast that was dealing with the rising housing costs in different places in our country here in the U.S., but in particular California, and there's this clever story that a journalist was trying to narrate for the listening audience uh, about how one neighborhood is changing in a historic suburban spread in California. So if you can recall, if you know this, um, you can always listen to this on your own, I guess, but um, People began to move to California. The California dream was to go to these uh, new things called suburbs, that were, you know, just close to the urban city center that you can still enjoy the amenities of the city, but be, you know, a bit far from there so that you can have your own place where you're not sharing a wall with your neighbor like you were in a high rise, right? And uh, people loved to live there. Um, people settled there, and they became the first uh, suburbs in the U.S. Um, but rising housing costs um, have basically uh, put those uh, housing prices out of many people's markets. It's un- unattainable to live there. There's, these homes are not affordable. And so what people are doing, they've tried to pass legislation to get some high rises, but those are turned down. And so what people are doing instead is they're building these like standalone like, one or two room extra I don't know was, buildings on a property in a suburban plot so that another family can live there. Someone can rent it out, or maybe uh, somebody's aging parents or grandparents can stay there in order to have a cheaper rent, but to still live in these desirable areas. And what was neat about this story is that um, there's a woman who had lived there for a whole generation. She raised her son in this place, and when uh, her son grew up to become an adult, like he is now taking the opportunity to be like the first one on the block but one of these extra homes, these standalone homes in his, uh, the backyard of the home that he grew up in. And there's like this interesting tension between mom and son, right? Like this mom had all these fond memories about the neighborhood, about the families that lived there, uh, how they used to have suppers and dinners and they used to do the fireworks things together. And now this, this, this movement towards building secondary homes on these properties has caused this neighborhood, the same neighborhood, like the same family to look Altogether different. And that's kind of what's going on in the story of Israel. So, in theological perspective, uh, there's a couple different choices that one can choose from in regards to how God dealt with Israel earlier in its story and how God is dealing later in its story. And we see like the fault lines of it here in this passage. So, some people uh, ascribe to this dispensationalism, where the same God is dealing with a covenant people in different ways or different eras called dispensations wrapped around a covenant and a sign, right? And so from the very beginning of the story, there's like the dispensation with the first humans and a new dispensation with the patriarchs and a new dispensation with the people of Israel um, during the monarchy and a dispensation of Israel after exile, right? All these watershed moments and then now a dispensation for God dealing with the world through the church and kind of leaving Israel behind right so that's one part of the decision the other decision is like no this is one God one story and it's not that there's like an open and close of these different eras of dealing with humanity Uh, but God has got this unfolding plan but we see a big piece of it right here I mean Jeremiah this is late in Jeremiah this is after uh, the people of Israel been carried off into exile and there's doom and gloom. They feel like they feel God, that they've defaulted on the covenant. And so Jeremiah comes in, uh, who's been a prophet of doom like early in the book, but now he's a prophet of promise. And he's saying, no, God's going to do something new. He's going to make a new covenant with you, right? And the same story is going to take on a brand new shape. And it's going to look a whole lot different for those who've been living into this story for a long time now. And it's going to be maybe good news to those who are are newer to this story. But in particular, like at the heart of it, there's like this interesting parabolic saying that uh, when the parents eat sour grapes, their children's teeth are set on edge. So think about eating something sour and that's appetizing. And what you do with your mouth is like your mouth moves and your teeth are set on edge. as you're trying to like negotiate this awful taste in your mouth, right? Well, when God gave the Ten Commandments, uh, if you look, Exodus 20, um, there's this sentence like, if somebody sins, God will carry out the punishment of those sins uh, for several generations, right? Like, this, it would be like this curse that's passed down from generation after generation, right? And some sociologists, psychologists say this, we see this practically working out where if someone's an addict, uh, they carry, then their, you know, corresponding offspring have a higher uh, probability of being addicts as well. And so, Someone kind of dovetails a couple of these things as well. This is just the carrying out of choices from previous generations, right? But Jeremiah comes to say, hey, not so fast, Like no longer. And What Jeremiah doesn't say here is, uh, well, Moses got it wrong. Like it was never really like that. No, like it's like no longer. So there was like this time when like this was like this, I guess the setup. But Jeremiah is saying, there's a change in the wind and no longer will parents eat sour grapes and their kids teeth set on edge but each person is responsible for their own sin so god is dealing with the same people of israel but it's looking different uh, than what it has in a previous chapter now whether this is like a win for dispensationalism or if it's a win for this like covenant reading where no one god one story one people god working it out through all this chaos it's up for you to decide you're a bible reader you no, you're an adult yeah or a young adult whatever like you could make you know sense of this in your own right but this is an interesting development god interact with people in real time i think this is important for us because sometimes i think we re we, we have this like view of god that like stuff was decided in the past and therefore god's like out to lunch right and we're so now we're just like going to the bible and doing the best that we can well what jeremiah presents to us is no this is a god who continues to speak a God who continues to interact, and a God who's not out to lunch, right? And so that's good for us as the corporate body of Christ, knowing that we uh, follow a living God who's continuing to move his collective group of people. And I think that's that's comforting for those of us who are personally walking with God, is that God's not busy dealing with somebody else halfway across the world and forgotten about us. Uh, but this God is, is absorbing and he's interacting faithfully with our own lives and he wants to speak to us, to you, to me today, like he hasn't forsaken us or forgotten us. And so what a way to call ourselves to prayer because we have stuff we wanna give to this God and we're not just gonna say, well, I'm religious, I'm gonna pray and then whatever happens, happens. No, like we get to commune with God as we pray, a God who wants to interact with us right now. So all of our burdens, all of our worries, all of our faults, all of our mistakes, All things that we're angry about, all things done to us that we've left undone, we can bring it all to God. And God communes with us. What a a thrilling idea. So, with that in mind, let's spend some time praying to our God this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're the God who attends to us today. Uh, You were faithful yesterday. You'll be faithful all the way to the end, as the scripture tells us. And we are are thankful that you commune with us today, Um, that we exist in this entanglement, in a relationship with you. that's full of um, loving kindness and grace and hope. And so as we continue to learn your ways, as we continue to seek and desire to commune with you, we pray that you would draw near to us as we draw near to you. God, we thank you that we can I had the permission to give you all of who we are, all of the mistakes, all of the worries, all the things that we left undone in omission, things that we have done to others and things that are done to us, the pain that we continue to navigate. Um, God, you're with us, and you are, you attend to all of it. And so we um, ask for wisdom today. Uh, we seek healing today from all the scars and all the wounds in our life. Uh, I do pray that we would be restored and strengthened God, I pray that you would help us to also um, be attentive to the neighbors and to all folks around us, uh, those who have their own pain that they're sifting through. Uh, May it be within your plan to allow us to be activated, to help point them towards a place where they can find healing and rest and peace. And so God, this day we thank you that you haven't given up on the story, that you continue to come back to this worldwide story and you find ways to reconcile it to your desires Into your main end. And we thank you that this is all going to be your story. And uh, we're going to sing victory songs at the end because you're the God who prevailed and you allowed us to prevail with you. So God, this day, uh, we pray that you would commune with us. May we sense your nearness in the hours ahead. I pray that as we do so, we'll find strength for the day. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.